and welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase, and along with Liz Gumbiner, we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. Today, we're going to be talking about how to be an adult with best-selling author Julie Lithcott-Hames. And as always, we will close out our show with our Cool Picks of the Week. All right. You have probably read a book by Julie, but I'm going to go through this anyway, just in case you might have missed one of them. Julie Lithcott-Hames believes in humans and is deeply interested in what gets in our way. Her work encompasses writing, speaking, teaching, mentoring, and activism. She is the New York Times bestselling author of one of my go-to books, I'm sure maybe yours too, How to Raise an Adult, which gave rise to a popular TED Talk. Her second book is the critically acclaimed and award-winning prose poetry memoir, Real American, which illustrates her experience as a Black and biracial person in white spaces. And her third book, which we're going to be talking about today, Your Turn, How to Be an Adult, has been called a groundbreakingly frank guide to adulthood. Julie holds degrees from Stanford, Harvard Law, and California College of the Arts. She currently serves on the boards of Common Sense Media, Black Women's Health Imperative, Narrative Magazine, and on the board of trustees at California College of the Arts. She also serves on the advisory boards of LeanIn.org, Parents Magazine, and Baldwin for the Arts. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her partner of over 30 years, their itinerant young adults, and her mother, Julie. Welcome, welcome. Kristen, thank you so much for having me. I was delighted to be invited onto a podcast called Spawned, which I think is the most <laughs> clever and apt word to use when we get a little confused or stressed out about what we have done in the act of becoming parents. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I don't know if we've ever said this publicly, but the alternative name was Serial and it was C-E-R-E-A-L. <laughs> I love it. Also clever. Also, also clever. clever. But yes. we went with Spawn because, you know, as you sort of hinted at, right, it does oftentimes feel like you're like in the middle of a science fiction novel yeah. <laughs> as a parent. So, yeah, that's kind of why we went with it. All right. So I want to jump right in. This is such a wonderful book. Oh, I like drank it with a straw. It was so wonderful. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm 46 and I just feel like right now I'm understanding what it means to be an adult. And I'm wondering, is that sort of why you wrote the book? So like we all don't have to wait until we're in our 40s or 50s or whenever to figure out adulting? Kristen, I'm glad you're liking the book. I really appreciate it. And yes, you're 46. And yes, you relate to it because adulting is the phase of life we are in after we survive childhood and before our death. So it really does encompass hopefully a lot of really wonderful and healthy decades, including the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. But I did aim it at those emerging into adulthood, really in response to millennials for whom I have a ton of compassion. These were the first among us to say, I don't want to adult. I don't know how to adult. Adulting is scary. I'm terrified. My heart just beats rapidly for them. And I really wanted to say to them as a generation, and now, of course, millennials are, many of them are quite well into adulting. So this book is really pitched at younger millennials and older Gen Zs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's me saying, yeah, I get it. 
It is scary. Yep, that's valid. Of course, it's confusing. There are myriad things that you're now responsible for. But you know what? You can. I believe in you. And I'm here. I'm here with advice. I'm here with my own advice based on mistakes I've made. I'm here with stories from other people because the human community is vastly diverse and we all have different walks of life that we travel. And yet we all have so much in common. Let me point all of this out to you so that you know that struggle is normal, that you are not alone. And let me entice you to imagine what it will feel like to lead the life you actually want to be leading instead of the life you air quotes feel you're supposed to be leading. Oh, let's talk about that because, you know, it's amazing to me, but, you know, I guess it's not really that surprising that all of these like sort of you've made it to adulthood norms, like you're 21. So now you can drink and now you buy a townhouse and then you save and you buy a house and then you get (laughs) married. And like, they're all still pretty strong signifiers of being an adult in society, right? Like people still associate that with like, I'm an adult now. I mean, I think your book is shaking this up. And I'm wondering, like, do you think that we're going to be able to move from that? Are you seeing any changes, you know, since your book came out and as you were writing it? I'm just curious to know what your thoughts are on that. My feeling on this is, yeah, there is something about 18 and 19 and 20 and 21 that signals you are emerging into this place of greater responsibility and greater freedom. And yet I disagree with the notion that you have arrived at adulthood and you're done. You have to be sort of fully baked into your adultness at 18 or 21 or 25 or 29. I I reject the notion that it's a place of arrival and instead embrace the notion that it is a way of living where you basically acknowledge, like, here's the difference, Kristen. Mm -hmm. When we are children, we are the responsibility of somebody else, more or less. And hopefully our parents are equipped with enough wherewithal and enough resources to provide food and shelter and unconditional love, Mm -hmm. right? Not everybody gets that, I realized. Sure. But that's what we hope for, that in childhood, everybody will be cared for so they can develop the skills necessary to one day be responsible for themselves. Adulthood, therefore, is the opposite. In childhood, you're more or less the responsibility of someone else. In adulthood, you are more or less responsible for yourself. Mm. Doesn't mean you are alone. Doesn't mean you're expected to go it alone. Doesn't mean you have to have it all together. It's more of that knowing deep within the self as you wake every day, like, okay, it's on me and I can, Mm -hmm. and I'll figure it out. I got some stuff going on. Might go great, might not. I'll be okay. It's that deep existential knowing of I'm in charge of myself and that's perfectly fine with me. That's adulting. Yes. And that sounds so scary. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've been an adult for a while now in like many senses of the word, right? And just hearing that out loud, like you are responsible for you. And I don't know if it's hitting me a little harder because I have an almost 18 year old and I had this moment of, oh, she she wants to go to school in Japan. She Mm -hmm. got into a university there and hopefully we'll leave in the fall. And I, you know, what is it now? January. So that gives me like eight months to be like everything you need to know (laughs) before. And it like, that's impossible. And your book has sort of led me in a different direction than perhaps I would have. Because of course, yes, like it's important to know how to feed yourself. Like, can you boil an egg, right? There are all those practical things, but really you're looking at the person as a whole, right? And what it means to be a thoughtful, kind, empathic person who's thriving in their life, not necessarily just surviving. Absolutely. Survival is key. (laughs) Yes, of course. Quite literally. Yes. 
apt use of the word literally. Survival mm-hmm. is key. If we can't keep ourselves alive, we won't survive. We won't be here. And so those fundamentals, you talked about boiling an egg. I would call it taking care of business, body, bills, belongings. Mm-hmm. Yes. Those are the basics. Taking care of business. We need to know that our kids not necessarily have learned all of that before they leave home, but have been exposed to enough of it that they have a bit of a roadmap to how to learn the rest of it. Right? Yes. Thank you for making me feel better. <laughs> good, <laughs> good. And let me say, Kristen, for listeners, I want y'all to know I'm a mom. I've got mm-hmm. a 22 year old. I've got mm-hmm. a 20 year old. I am actively at work trying to make sure that my spawn, my yes. offspring yes. are well enough equipped to more or less take care of themselves, knowing that there is a tremendous amount of learning and growing that must happen, that should happen in a healthy, vibrant life. Always. I'm still learning and growing. So I don't expect my kids to be fully done when mm-hmm. I at 54 am still learning and growing. I just want them to have enough that they don't feel that they're on some treacherous cliff without a guardrail. I want Mm -hmm. them to be well prepared for that climb. I want them to experience shorter climbs and less treacherous climbs, right? I want life to have prepared them for what comes next, whatever it is. So first of all, your kid applied to college in Japan. That I'm a former college dean, remember? Yes. I know a lot about college and college kids and somebody who has the wherewithal to say, you know what? I bet there are colleges elsewhere. Let me look into that. Let me apply. Oh, wow, I've gotten in, right? That kid already possesses a sense of who they are and what they want that does Mm -hmm. fly in the face of a lot of norms and expectations in many communities in our country, like go to another country. Yes. Okay, Mm -hmm. so that tells me that's like really good green light for me hearing that. And then you've got the next eight months and I... I would sit down and say, uh, let's think about what you may need to know and be able to do for yourself a whole half a world away mm-hmm. that you want us to teach you. Let, you know, what, what is it that you'd like to be sure you know from the favorite recipe that, you know, you can't live without to very practical things like how to take care of bills and taxes and whatever might be the case overseas, you know, like you can teach her things and you can invite her to tell you what it is she'd like to learn rather than presume you have the exhaustive list of all the things she should know before she leaves. Yes. Okay. I'm just going to take that as a soundbite and listen to that <laughs> every morning, Julie. Why? Which part? Which part? <laughs> Tell me, because this is important, Kristen. I'm saying something that's making your spirit, your heart feel seen and spoken to. So reiterate for me what that is. Well, for me, it's this idea that, you know, parents, we see a lot of small things happening in our kids' lives and we don't acknowledge them. You know, like to me, it was like, oh, you know, she got into college, she's going away to Japan and you sort of broke it down and you were like, hey, she's going to college in Japan. Like she, this is something that she has pursued. This tells you a lot about your kid, yeah. right? Just in those, what seem like, I know going to college is not a small decision, right? But it's like those everyday things that I think sometimes parents, you know, that's who our audience is, overlook, right? And we're like, oh, we like look at the big stuff and they're like, oh, they left their laundry all over the place and more. But then you're like, wait a second, they're going out they've got clean clothes somehow. So they've figured it out. You know, like, I I don't know, just acknowledging like, okay, slow yourself down, stop beating yourself up. Like this kid is doing great. So that's what resonated with me. Good. I'm so glad. I'm glad you heard it that way. I'm glad you're feeling the reassurance of a stranger around that. That's that wonderful. It's actually a delicious, I think, place to Mm -hmm. get to as a parent of like, wait a minute, my kid is actually capable of some pretty amazing things. 
let me acknowledge that. Let me pat myself on the shoulder a little bit for what I did to help make that happen. But look, wow, look at them go. Yes, I don't want them to leave, but look how happy I am that they are able to. My little one, she's 20, is 3,000 miles away from me, a junior in college on the other side of the country and Mm. lived in an apartment during the first year of the pandemic Mm -hmm. because she wanted to not get kicked out of a dorm. She was like, I need to not have my life taken out from under me as happened in the beginning of the pandemic. And I watched her find a place, negotiate a lease, get a used scooter, register it with the DMV in a different state, a deal with internet hookup landlord. I just watched all of that happen from far away and wanted to fix it and wanted to help. Mm -hmm. When she had frustration, she'd call and say, oh, I have to deal with this, that, and the other. And I was like, okay, here's how you do it. And she's like, mom, I know how. (laughs) I'm not asking for help. I'm just letting you know what's going on in my work, Kristen, right now. And I'm saying this for anyone else who needs to hear it. Yes. My work is to love unconditionally Mm -hmm. without letting my love show up as needing to tell you how to fix it or how to handle it. Yes. That's my present practice. I'm hard at work at that. That And believe me, my daughter will remind me. (laughs) You can almost see her holding the stop sign. Like, mom, don't go any farther. Yes, I'm good. Well, you know, it's funny. We had Ned Johnson on and Sticks Rude, right? And he was on and I use the technique that he does, which is I ask my kids straight up, do you want advice or do you just want to vent? That's what I do now. And I stop myself and nine times out of 10, they just want to vent. Like they know how to deal with, and usually it has to do, my kids are young, right? 13, 15. It has to do with like friendships and drama and that. And they just, they just want to like, just blather on about it. They don't need me to be like, well, you know, you should really like, they don't want that. Right. Right. So that's what I use. And I love that. That is the hardest. That is one of the hardest parts of parenting, you know? So in this book, I felt like there was a lot about the importance of others, right? Mm. Mentors, good friends, people who aren't your parents, right? And we've had guests on before who talk about the importance of other adults in your lives, right? I know we're talking about adults, but let's just say like seasoned adults, if you Mm -hmm. will. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of that, the idea of community and the village and however you want to describe it, flies in the face of what we have been told, right? Which is like, you've got to do everything on your own. You are an independent woman or person, (laughs) blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it's hard, particularly as a 40 something person to find friends, to find community Mm. when you're not close to your parents Mm. and we need that. So I'm curious to know, like, what can we do to cultivate that now in our Mm. lives? Yeah. So if we wind back, I think about eight or nine minutes, I'm guessing I said being an adult is you're more or less responsible for yourself, which doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Right. So it is. And my book, Your Turn, does present these dualities. You know, you have to know how to do for yourself and yet you need to be in community with others and you have to look after your future self who's 65 and will hope you saved. But don't be an indentured servant to that future self because your 25 year old self also matters. Right. And look after your mind, but also look after your body. Like there are all of these yin and yangs, these things that are intertwined and we have to keep the whole in mind. So, yes, the importance of others to your point. Other people are essential to our survival. We humans are not 
in the main hermits. Mm -hmm. We're not in the main loners. We are a social species as our primates. Generally, we need to interact with each other for cooperation, to get things accomplished, to be soothed, to be seen and supported. We are social. And that's why the pandemic is so cruel. It is really undermining a very basic need we have for our own well-being, which is to gather with other humans. Mm -hmm. So I think you presented this sort of, we're supposed to be independent. And I want to say yes, and independent in the sense of you're not constantly relying on others to handle everything for you. You are more or less handling the basics for yourself, but we're meant to be highly relational Mm -hmm. and have these really close connections with a few people. We all need to know there's a person or two or three we could call in the middle of the night when tragedy strikes. You know, Mm -hmm. we need that. We need to know somebody is there. We need to know that we've got a few people who get us and like us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No matter how Mm -hmm. effed up we are, like these people get me, they know my story, they love me anyway. We don't need 20 people. We don't even really need 10 people. Mm -hmm. You know, we need a small number of people and we have to do the work of cultivating those relationships because relationship works in all directions. It's not they care about me without us caring about them. And some of us, I think, have to take inventory of our adult relationships and say, wait a minute, are these mutually beneficial. You know, is this person someone who yammers on about their life and never asks me about mine and they call me a good listener, but they don't seem interested in my stuff? That doesn't feel good. What can I do to signal to them? Like, hey, I'd love to tell you a little bit about what I'm going through. I really need some support right now. Like we have to do the active work Mm -hmm. to ask for what we need to show up with others so that they get what they need. It is a very complex dance, this human interaction. And it really fundamentally serves us so well when we get it right. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that this idea of being adult, I think a lot of people feel like it's like, well, now I'm on my own, right? Like I was with my parents for 18 years and now I've got to do it this like and and that's not really what it is, right? You're responsible for yourself, but the community and the friendships and the mentoring is important. And as a parent of now mostly teenagers, right, I still have one holdout, my 11 year old almost there, but basically feels like a teen. I have to say that looking back back, I realized, oh, I wish that I had made more time for friendships, which is hard, you know, single mom, four kids, that's tough to do. But I do now see the benefit of being able to have a person or a couple people who you can rely on. And I'm fortunate I have like two, basically two best friends that I rely on, right? And we're our like sort of ride or dies. But I do think just sort of prioritizing that and whatever it looks like in your life. For some people, it's family, right? For some people, it's a mentor. For some people, it's friends, but to give yourself as parents, you know, we have to pick and choose what we do with our time. And that seems based on what I'm hearing from you and what I've read, really a worthy effort. Absolutely. Thanks for acknowledging the challenges that you've experienced being a single mom, four kids. It's a lot. And I'm in a different circumstance. I'm in a 34 year long relationship with a partner who was home with our kids along with my mother while I had the full-time job and I only have two kids. So I had a very different support system than you. And yet I have also not managed to cultivate my friendships very well. I realized, I think at age 50, to my horror, wow, I've had this amazing career. Wow, I have these amazing kids. Wow, my marriage is amazing where are my friends Mm. and who are my friends? And if I was to, you know, have a party and invite my friends, like do the names quickly populate the spreadsheet or am I asking myself, wait, and what do I want to do about it if it's the latter? And I'll tell you, I have intentionally in the pandemic, intentionally sought out to reconnect 
I have been mm-hmm. so jealous, Kristen, of people who have that group from high school or group from college or group from an early work experience that they see once a year, religiously, reliably, right, they right. have a reunion. I'm so jealous because I don't have that. Me too. You know, I, moved Me too. A, I moved a ton as a kid. I don't have that long set of friends who I've known since kindergarten because I moved a bunch of times before I got to college. And so, you know, I've constantly been the new kid and not necessarily good at maintaining relationships over time. And I want to be better. So I set out to like, okay, how How can I reach out to this person? Take, for example, my dear friend, Jessica, who lives in Pennsylvania, former roommate of mine in college, who I speak to less than once a year. Can I reach out and say, you know what? I love you so much. You're one of my dearest friends. I would love to spend some time. Do you have time? Not to presume she wants to, not to presume she can. And also to acknowledge a little bit of my, I know I haven't been in touch a lot and I'm so sorry. And I'd really like to do something about that. And just to try to see if I can bring myself halfway Mm -hmm. back toward that closeness to demonstrate and maybe do a little bit more of the outreach because I maybe haven't been the greatest over the years. I've done that with a few people. And now I'm watching to see if those seeds are taking root, hmm. you know, is it growing? Is the relationship getting stronger? Am I still needing to cultivate it more actively? Are they as interested as I am? But, you know, I'm in the observation mode with that and it's worthwhile, you know, it's worthwhile. And I would say to you now at 54, I would rather strengthen the connections that I already have mm-hmm. and make new friends. Not to say I'm adverse to making new friends, but there are some people who know the deep width of what I've experienced in life sure, yeah, and know where I've been and what I'm about and what went wrong and what went right. And I am mostly interested in making sure that those people know that they matter to me. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. It's kind of like dating, I guess, <laughs> right? You're like, oh, I got to start fresh and I got to tell you about myself and my favorite food and my, you know, like what my sign is. Like I have relationships with people and I just want to cultivate them. I don't know. It's kind of funny. It made me think of that right off the bat, but like, here we are two years into the pandemic and there are a couple things that struck me that I feel like apply to right now. And one of them is gratitude, right? You speak a fair amount about gratitude and we have had many guests talk about it and you, you know, in one way or another kind of describe it as a superpower. And I kind of think I know what you mean but I'm curious to understand your view of gratitude and the role it plays in the life of an adult. Yeah. So my book on adulting, Your Turn is Long, as you know. And toward the end, I talk about our superpowers, gratitude, kindness, and mindfulness. And I call them superpowers because I believe, and I'm fairly certain it's true, that these are all things that are innate within us and we have the capacity to wield them and use them whenever we want to. If we are intentional and try and all of that. Sort of like I pictured Clark Kent, you know, being able to just turn into Superman when he felt like it. Mm -hmm, I feel that mm -hmm. we can turn on these superpowers of our own when we feel like it. Gratitude, the research shows, is a way to notice the very small things that are going right. Mm. Uh, Not the big things like my life, my health. Yes, it's important to be grateful for the big things, but to break the big down into the minutia of now, I'm grateful I was able to have coffee for an hour with my 82-year-old mother this morning. I'm Mm -hmm, grateful mm -hmm. we are in each other's lives so I can be a source of connection and relationship for her. I am grateful my son did the extra set of dishes that nobody had put their hands on yesterday. You know, the minutiae research shows when we're able to note it, tell it to ourselves, like notice it out loud to our own selves, to our brains, we begin to feel a greater degree of happiness in our lives because we're reminding ourselves of the good that is right here. Mm-hmm. It isn't about mm-hmm. longing for new things or hoping for this or one day my goals are that. No, no, no. It's not to be complacent like everything's 
fine. I don't need to have goals or hopes, but it's just, it becomes this ballast. Like, yes, I have plans and goals. And in the moment today, right now, I can name these five things or three things or 10 things I'm grateful for. That strengthens us. It makes us happier. It also makes us more able to notice Mm -hmm. the good things that happen. So we develop a practice of it. We become more adept at it. We're able to notice constantly what we're able to be grateful for. And that just breeds further happiness. So it's really so much more than even like a booster shot or a vitamin. It's like Mm -hmm. this elixir. It's Mm. like this potion that we can create and drink and it strengthens us. So that's why I call it a superpower. I love that. And what I've seen, I I have like a sort of on and off gratitude practice, but I know that people say it becomes like sort of reflexive, right? It's like involuntary response. And you're really able to draw into that, which I know, especially right now, so many of us are feeling like we have nowhere to draw from. We're running on empty. And so I love this idea of it's just the small things, right? It's like the little, I love this, like I had coffee this morning for an hour with my mom. You know, like for me, it's like I drank my coffee and it was warm and it didn't get cold before I drank it. <laughs> but like those tiny little things, they really add up. And what you said is that this is not something that is made up that people have talked about. This is research, right? People are researching this and seeing the changes that a gratitude practice can have. And like, let's be honest, adulting. Yeah. Like, I, and you talked about taking care of business. Like, okay, that's awesome. Yeah. It's important to know how to pay your taxes. But to me, like, this is the stuff, right? right? Like my kids, this is what I want them to be able to do. I want them to have empathy and kindness and to be able to tap into the gratitude, right? Like, okay, cool. I can get an accountant to help you with your taxes, but this is the stuff. This is the work you got to do on your own. Yeah. Kristen, the two things our kids need by way of skill when they Mm -hmm. leave our homes, I think. Actually, I I have three. I call it the arc of becoming a human. ARC, agency, resilience, character. Mm -hmm. You want to know what to focus on in your home? Stuff that builds agency. That includes chores. That includes responsibility. That includes backing away and saying, I know this is hard, but you do hard things. I believe in you. Let me know if you need help. And walking away. Mm -hmm. Resilience is they know they can cope when things go badly. They don't feel everything that goes wrong is detrimental to their future. They feel reassured like, yep, okay, you, you know, that didn't go as well as you'd hoped, but you know what? I'm here for you. I still love you. The sun will come up tomorrow. You building resilience, that ability to cope. And character is knowing that it's not all about them, that others' needs matter, right. that their needs don't always come first. And in a family with four kids, they're learning that implicitly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but ARC, <laughs> agency, resilience, character. If we can build those things, doesn't matter what their career, their college, their trade, their profession, what have you, where they live, you know, they are going to be capable, competent, confident, kind people. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I feel like if people are going to get your term, they need to get how to raise an adult. Like it's just, it's a twofer, right? You need to get both. You need to have both. You need to read them, just like sleep on them, digest them because it's like a journey, right? Like the journey of raising adults and not overparenting and being as Ned Johnson and Bill Sticksrude talks about like the parent consultant, right? Like doing that. Also, I'm looking at myself too in my own journey. And I'm imagining that that's probably part of why it's titled your turn, right? Because you're helping us raise an adult. And now like, it's our turn. Like, you know, we need to look at ourselves. And I know I'm maybe a little older than the age group, but that's okay. We can still learn how to be an adult. And and so let's, let's end with that. Cause I know a lot of people are having a tough time. That's a blanket statement right now. Right. So we're like two years into the pandemic adulting, I think feels especially hard. And I know there were several times in your book where I was like, 
whoo, if only I had known that or felt like, oh, I wish I had, oh, I should have thought of that, right? Like, and I, I wasn't feeling bad about myself. That's not what I'm getting at, right? But it's this like, oh, that would have been helpful. And so what do you suggest to folks, you know, we're dealing with the challenges of being an adult right now, two years into the pandemic. What can we do to sort of, whether it's start this journey or support the feeling of wanting to claim this, like wanting to claim what adulthood actually is, if we're let's say 40s or 50s or 60s, and we're not in that millennial older Gen Z age. Yeah. The book comes with a study guide at the back with four questions for each chapter. And I think they are a great place to start. They're quite provocative questions, um, depending on who you are. They're questions like, where am I stuck? And what do I think is keeping me stuck? What options am I keeping open and why? What would I gain and lose by opting for each thing? What am I waiting for in order to decide? Where and with whom do I feel at ease, comfortable and free? Where and with whom do I feel less able to be myself? With whom do I feel the delicious feeling of being known? What's hardest for me about connecting with other humans? Whose approval do I seek? Whose judgment do I fear? I think these are big questions that it's worthwhile asking. And we can be asking them about work. We can be asking them about relationship. We can be asking them about how we prioritize our time. I think if we're feeling a dissatisfaction in our 40s and 50s and 60s, that's normal and fine and wonderful. It's like a stirring from the soul that's saying, wait a minute, uh, is this all there is? Mm-hmm. You know, I had always thought I'd feel whatever. I would always thought I'd do whatever. I'd always wanted whatever. It's time for us to be validating those I've always wanted to. Without being Pollyannish about it, I realize there's a lot that stands in the way of us just going off tomorrow and leading the dream life we had as an eight-year-old. But on the other hand, there's a lot that's practically possible. Like, you know, if you'd always wanted to live in a different country, I just got an email from somebody yesterday. I really think I want to move to a different country. And I said, lean into that. Mm-hmm. Who has the right to tell you that's nuts? Nobody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've always wanted it. There's something that's important about that for you. Why not lean into that and be curious about what your own self is trying to tell you it needs? Listening to your instincts, allowing yourself the space. I think NPR just did an article about they're like, you need to stare at a wall for 15 minutes a day or something like that. I was like, okay, I'm down. Yeah. I could take that. Yeah, just to sort of let your brain have rest and be like, we just don't yeah. give ourselves space. Mm-hmm. And I think when we do give ourselves space, whether you're staring at a wall or for me, it's just taking a walk without any input, no podcast, no music, no nothing. Yeah. We are able to then hear ourselves. That's right. You are with yourself and that's important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Julie, I know you're going to stick around for cool picks of the week, but I just want to let everyone know we're obviously going to link up all of your books over on coolmompicks.com. But the books are How to Raise an Adult and then Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. And of course, don't want to miss the memoir, of course, Real American as well. So you've got three. Are you working on the next one? Well, now you're going to make me stressed out. Um, No, no, no. no. Yes, I'm, I'm trying to pull together my mother and I are working on a mother-daughter memoir. We've lived in the same house for 20 years, which has had its upsides, but its downsides. Mm -hmm. And we think Mm -hmm. others can relate and we want to be helpful by sharing what we've learned on our journey. So that's what I think is coming next. Okay. Well, we cannot wait to hopefully knock on wood or walls or wherever we are. See that. And excitingly, it is now time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. Julie, you are my guest, so you get to go first. 
Well, Kristen, I have an unusual pick, uh, perhaps in the eyes of many. I'm just going to say TikTok is my cool pick. <laughs> I thought TikTok was just people dancing and like doing the dances other people oh. created. And there is a lot of that. Oh, no. But TikTok is a wonderful <laughs> repository for really important information about ADHD and anxiety or for support around something you may be struggling with in your identity or your body. I think the vulnerability that people are showing there and the community mm. that's being built there, at least in certain places, is extraordinary. And when I'm looking for a little self-care, mm-hmm. I actually just go to my TikTok feed and get on my Peloton and watch TikTok videos and really support the people whose messages are supporting the kind of life I'm trying to live. Oh, that's so awesome. You know, it, it gets a bad rap, right? And as yeah. parents, particularly with younger kids, right? People are like, ah, TikTok. But what's interesting is I am more like Instagram reels, which, you know, it seems like people are just cross-posting anyway. Right. And I love that you watch it while you're riding your Peloton because I... <laughs> find myself, you know, I work in social media, so it's a little hard to separate personal and business, but I'll be like laying or I'll be relaxing and I'll just kind of go through and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of good stuff here. And then it's like, oh, 45 minutes have gone by. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, Kristen. I was noticing, oh, 45 minutes have gone by and I'm laying here on my floor. Good for you. Not that there isn't value in laying on the floor or staring at the wall, but I'm a little blown away sometimes by how I did get sucked in. So it's like, if I'm going to get sucked in, and let me time bound this by saying I'm on my Peloton for a half hour and yes. that would be a half hour's worth of TikTok videos. And I really, really enjoy it. So I'm about to hit my hundredth ride on Peloton. Good for you. And I get a free t-shirt for doing that, which I'm super excited about. And, you know, I'm just trying to balance things. Yeah, and I think somehow I think balancing great. a rigorous workout with a little bit of creativity from the incredible creators on TikTok, at least those that I follow. Yes. It feels like a win-win. It feels like a win-win. And it's a, a good win-win. point too, to curate your feed, right. right? Like that's really important. And the algorithms are pretty good. Scarily good. They're scarily yeah. good, right? No, they but know what I like and they serve it up. So absolutely. I love it. Well, that's not lame at all. I think that's fantastic. And I will say this, a lot of parents don't realize that there Mm -hmm. is great food content. Some of it's Mm -hmm. a little weird. Some of it's awesome, but there are really (laughs) great parenting experts. Like you said, ADHD, anxiety, communities of folks really serving up great resources. So I love the twist. I'm so glad you've mentioned Ned and Bill. Yes. Ned's got a TikTok channel. Ned is on there giving all kinds of parenting advice and and um, he's he's fun to watch. So yeah, I think there's more than meets the eye when it comes to TikTok. Unlike Snapchat, which I don't think I ever found any no. value for given my age, TikTok does have plenty of offerings for people who are not Gen Z or younger millennials. I completely agree with it's you. It's a beautiful space. I'm sure there's ugliness there in its own way because ugliness is also everywhere, but there is beauty on TikTok and I feel supported when I go there. So well, I that's, recommend you're it You're making it work for yourself. I love it. So yeah. my cool pick of the week, I you know, I'm going to say Wordle. It's not really my cool pick, but I like I have it. to call it out. Are you playing Wordle? I just started this week. Oh my gosh. I love word games. I, I love word puzzles. games too. I love that there's just one a day, oh. you know, and so if people haven't yet caught on and they're like, eh, it's so trendy. It's actually really fun. And I compete with my kids. So <laughs> I compete with my 15 year old and my 13 year old. And I tweeted this maybe yesterday, my 13 year old who's at school, I think it was her lunch hour, whatever. And she texted me, mom, And that's all she texted me, which, you know, as a parent yourself and all the moms out there are like, oh, God, here it comes. Right. And so it was like, mom. And then I was like, yes. (laughs) She's like, I got three out of six on Wordle. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. 
So I was like, yay. Okay. But Wordle is great. It's, I actually use it to bond with my kids. So I, I just twist a little plot twist with Wordle, but I want to do a shout out to another game. It's called GeoGuessr. Do you know this game, Julie? No. What oh, is it? Oh my goodness. Okay. You kind of have to be a little bit of a geography nerd to like okay. GeoGuessr. Okay. So basically it's GeoGuessr, G-U-E-S-S-R. Okay. And they use Google Earth, right? And you go in and essentially they just drop you somewhere in the world and you got to figure out where you are. Oh, how cool. Oh, gosh. So you can play different kinds of games, right? So they have like famous places or Mm. they have like United States, which, by the way, United States, extremely hard. Like everything looks like the Pine Barrens. Anyway, you know, like you're just like, oh, Nebraska. And then, you know, or they have like, you know, countries or the world. And so you can play with friends. So like you could play with someone else who's not in your house yeah um, and you can compete against each other and you also can do like naming the famous place but also you can do by distance so how close you are to where they have dropped you on a map so you pin on a map right that's how you kind of communicate well my son who's 15 we've loved this game for a while but he introduced me to battle royale (laughs) so it's you compete against 10 real people okay and we do the countries And they basically drop you. You have two minutes, three (laughs) guesses per round. You get one 50-50 and you just got to guess where you are. And it's so fun. You have to look in like you look for the language. You look what side of the road they're driving on. The critical thinking skills here are like fantastic, right? And it is so fun. And then (laughs) round by round by round, you get eliminated (laughs) until it's 1v1. And I have to tell you, we've won like maybe four or five times. And it is like I scored the winning World Cup (laughs) soccer goal. I love it. (laughs) I love it, Kristen. We are a game playing family. Well, that's not true. I'm lying. I wish we were (laughs) playing. I am a game player. (laughs) Yeah. Half the people in my family love games. Half do not. I think that has a lot to do with how people in my family historically have played games, which is hyper competitive. So it yes, turns some people yes, off. But yes. I am always looking for great ideas. And okay, uh, well, I think that people in my immediate family will love uh, so Geo Guesser. Geo Guesser with no E between the SS and the R. Okay. Um, there's a free version. If you pay, it's like $1.99 a month. It's totally worth it. And definitely look up the Battle Royale. It is really entertaining. I've been playing it for like two hours every day with my son. <laughs> and he is at the point now where like you get on, they drop you and you're allowed to move around, right? Like you click around, you can drive down the road. Like it's all Google earth, right? So you're like, look up, look down, look at the trash can. Like he does this thing now where he just does a 360 and he just drops a pin. And like last night, four times, he was like, Bulgaria. (laughs) He got it on the first try. Oh my gosh. Anyway, it's super fun. Okay, cool. We'll link all these up. Of course, Folks, TikTok, actually GeoGuessr, they're both apps, so you can find them in your favorite app store. And of course, we'll link everything up over on coolmompics.com. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our guest, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and to our awesome engineer, John Bowen. If you've got a moment and you can leave us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate your time. But when you do that, when you subscribe to the podcast and you actually download the episodes, it helps other listeners like you find us. And don't forget, we are on Facebook, the Spawned Podcast Community, where we talk about the shows and pretty much anything in between. Recipe Rescue, where we talk about food and feeding our kids and our families and ourselves. And OutTech Your Kids, where we talk about digital parenting. You can find that all on Facebook. And of course, we're on Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest. We're all over the place. 
though we kind of are on TikTok, but not completely, but you may find some old videos of us there, but we're mostly consuming on TikTok. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Spawn. This is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye.